0: I've chosen to read from the King James Version today, and our scripture is located in Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again, for I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. The words of God to the people of God.
1: As some of you all know, my daughter Delia and I virtually share a birthday. She was born in the last hour of October first, and my birthday is October second. When we realized, uh, when we realized that our daughter was going to be born, when she was going to be born, I came to realize that when it came to birthdays and birthday celebrations her birthday would very soon eclipse my own when it came to celebrating. Now, as an only child myself, that was a new thing for me, but something that really wasn't that big of a deal at that point, because let's face it, at a certain point in your life, the idea of getting a year older doesn't sound as appealing as it once did, because it doesn't (coughs) impart any new things that you get to do. You don't get to ride any new roller coasters or anything like that. So it's not that big of a deal. I still enjoy getting presents, though. That is fun. For most people, whether it is in their home life, their work, or their other social circles, having competition for the limelight can at times cause certain levels of stress. When we are at our best, we still like to be remembered and we don't like the idea of possibly being forgotten. When we are at our most selfish, we can be downright nasty if we feel like someone is trying to crowd us out of our little bit of perceived glory. The account of the Magi coming to see Jesus is one that is full of issues that are interesting to dig into. This is one of those passages that's ripe for theological mining. Their gifts alone are very interesting choices for pagan astrologers from the East to pick. We may pick that topic up on another Epiphany Sunday in some other year. But as we close our Christmas celebrations for yet another year on this year, I would like us to consider what the implication is for those who are in power, our worldly institutions, and for ourselves, when Jesus becomes the rising star that must eclipse all others <coughs> In our text today we have the familiar passage of the arrival of the magi. I don't like to say the three wise men even though that is a common an analogy for them. We don't really know that there were three of them. We just know that there were three gifts. But these are interesting guys. Because they were pagan astrologers from the East. These are not Jews. These are not Jews. They're not Greeks. They are pagan astrologers from the East. Now, it doesn't say where they are from. Kind of the original assumption was Persia, modern-day Iraq, and Iran. Um, And that makes some sense theologically because... Uh, That is where Babylon was. Iraq and Iran was the seat of where Babylon, the Babylonian Empire was. It's where Daniel. Daniel was kind of an example of a Magi. He was a Jewish Magi. But it would represent the rulers of Babylon, who had been the oppressors of Israel, coming and now worshiping at the feet of Israel's king. So that is a distinct possibility. But we also know that there were very strong astrological traditions among the, uh, what you might say, wise men and women of India uh, and China as well. So as far as we know, they may have come as far away As China, we don't know. But what we know about them is that they come and they are wanting to bring gifts and worship to the newborn king of the Jews. This is very interesting because why would they have an interest in this? Again, they're pagans from another part of the world. Well, when they come to Israel, they go to the first logical place to start asking around for a new king, and that's Jerusalem. Jerusalem had been the seat of authority for the people of Israel for centuries. And it made sense for them to go and start asking around the nobility and the royalty in Jerusalem. Hey, where's the new baby king? (coughs) And very soon news comes to Herod. Herod uh, was, as I've mentioned before, he was a puppet king. He was actually more Greek than he was Jewish. He was put in place by Caesar, and he was there to keep order. And so when they go, the first thing that happens is it becomes very apparent that Herod is not this king that they are looking for. And the implication of that, if Herod, who is the earthly king of Judea, is not the king that they are looking for, what it is saying implicitly is that worldly leaders are stand-ins for the real thing, that God is the true authority and that Any earthly leaders that we might have are merely stand-ins for the real ruler. It's also pointed out that this star is rising and it's rising in the east. Where does the sun rise from? It rises from the east. That means that that the star representing this new king is in its ascendancy. It's going up. And Herod is smart enough to know what that must mean about himself. It means his is on the downhill slope. He is on the wane. And for what most historians have come to assume about Herod is that he was an egomaniac. Anyone like that is not going to handle that news very well. It says that he. And all of Jerusalem, for that matter, are very much distressed. (coughs) Herod is distressed because he knows that his time as the big guy is running short. All of Jerusalem is distressed. We're just going to imply some things, but it could be for any number of reasons. But what I can tell you is that if you were involved in the government in Jerusalem... And the king was upset, you better hope that you don't have to go into the throne room anytime soon. Because if he decides to have a temper tantrum, he can decide to take it out on you. And whereas I work for the Secretary of State, and Jim works essentially for the governor of Illinois, we don't really have to worry too much about Jesse White or uh, J.B. Prisker going and asking to take our heads off. Uh, you did have to worry about that with Herod. They are realizing Herod and all of those who gained from the same system that produced Herod. That their time of being the big cheese, the boss hoss, the grand poobah is about to come to an end. In a sense, God is passing judgment on the worldly system here. The wise are drawn and you see these and these wise men, they represent the wisdom of the world and yet the wisdom of the world is not being drawn towards the traditional focal point. They're not being drawn to the powerful who gain through greed, murder and exploiting the poor, but they are being drawn to a newborn peasant boy of little to no means I've noticed that come election time, this is appropriate for this year, notice that come election time, there are a lot of candidates, not all anymore, but there are a lot of candidates, they like to pay lip service to God. Some like to quote Jesus as though their policies would implement Jesus' teaching. But if Jesus were to come and ask them, To lay all of their authority at his feet, they would most definitely recoil and say, no, it's mine. Our institutions try to make the claim that they are acting on behalf of the people, but so many are acting to keep themselves merely afloat. They are trying to simply preserve the institution and nothing else. Even church organizations and denominations have at times acted as though they are working to advance the kingdom of God, but really, they're wanting to keep the institution running along for its own sake. And yes, sometimes I have to wonder if Jesus asked us to lay down all that we have for his sake, would we? Would we do it? We are selfish by nature, and when someone or something comes along that is perceived as competing for our glory and power and authority with us, we can oftentimes behave in very unpleasant ways. <coughs> the good news that we see coming from the Magi is that the wise, the truly wise, and it's interesting that they're described as wise, because especially if you go back into the Old Testament, wisdom is seen as coming directly from God. You read Proverbs, some of Psalms, even the Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes, and you get this notion that Wisdom is one of those things that is truly worthy of pursuit if it is godly wisdom given from God. And so what we see here is those who are wise are able to see that not all that is gold glitters and not all that glitters is gold. They take a hard pass on Herod and his decadence. And instead, they press on to the goal. They know the instant that they see the star, that the goal is in sight. And this is what's interesting. They have seen Herod in his palace. Herod was one of the great builders of antiquity. He, builded, uh, he built the uh, last temple that was in Jerusalem. He built a great fortress at Masada. He was a builder and. He was very extravagant with his wealth. And so they got to see Herod in all of his earthly glory. And yet the one that they end up bowing down to is a little peasant boy. In spite of appearances, they see the boy child Jesus for who he is. King of kings and Lord of lords. They prostrate themselves in worship, wealthy and powerful magi bowing to a lowly little boy. And they lay down incredibly extravagant gifts at his feet. The wise men real, realize who the real king is. They realize what the real treasure is. As extravagant as their gifts were, they would know that the real gift is what they received. And if you read into their gifts, you realize that they know that this Jesus would not only be the king of his people, but would save all of humanity. Are you clinging to the imagined glory that the world offers? What is your shiny that you don't ever want to let go of? Are you in this life to become the biggest and the best or are you willing to let go the things of this world, the imagined grandeur and your own selfish ego in order to worship the true king, the one who gives you life? Part of the call of Christmas is to realize and see the lie of this world for what it is that raw power, wealth and prestige are merely temporary things. The real treasure is to know the one who created all the universe and to be part of his plan. The truly wise throughout history have always sought to stand at the feet of God with their palms open to receive his grace and to serve him wholeheartedly. The wise men are our models for the selfless pursuit of God's glory and the favor of the wisdom of God that he alone can bestow. The wisdom of God seems foolishness to the wise of the world, but the truly wise will always seek him to lay the gifts of their heart at his feet. His star is still rising to this day. Are you willing to follow it? Amen.